Spirits of French Lick is proud to introduce the Lee Sinclair Four Grain Bottled and Bond Bourbon. This four-year-age, double-pot distilled, non-chill filtered bourbon has creamy, round, and lifting notes with caramel and vanilla, followed by apple, mint, graham cracker, and ginger, as well as cardamom. The finish is slightly French walnut, resolving the sweet, fruity, almost ground cherry and white pepper. Our spirits are available for tasting and purchase inside the French Lick Winery and Distillery. Spirits of French Lick. Respect the grain. Please enjoy responsibly. What's up, Scotchy Bourbon Boys fans? This is Alan Bishop of If You Have Ghosts, You Have Everything. You may know me better as Indiana's Alchemist of the Black Forest, but if you're at all interested in the Fortean, High Strangeness, the Paranormal, and the Unexplained, then you should tune into my new podcast, If You Have Ghosts, You Have Everything, available now wherever you get your podcast, including Spotify, Google Podcast and Amazon. That is gone. <laughs> so that would be, that would have been bottled right here? Oh, yeah, back in these days, yeah. It's Miniature glass. line. Is it glass? Yeah, yeah, it's glass. That's pretty metric. It's a tenth of a pint. What brand is that one? H Star blend. Right. Yeah, you were very curious about it, right? Yeah. Because I, I didn't know, I didn't know the years and I didn't know how to read the year off the bottom of the bottle. So well, you can't. Well, so forward to the code. The model numbers and stuff. I don't see a year on this one. Just sit right there, baby. Hmm. Toward there. Then I got two older. Bonded beans. Oh, Watch out, y'all. Shut the door. It's Carl. <laughs> <laughs> Carl. Yeah. What the door? <laughs> She's like, I, this is how I'm going to play that a million times. I just, I'm going to send it to him. Oh, no. Carl's coming. Shut the door. Bottled in, looks like 60. 67, maybe. 63 and 67. Wow. Dang blue loofah. Spring was made in 57, yeah. We were looking to see the other. Someone's been made in 57 and bottled in 63. We were debating Dates, spring and fall. Bottled in bond with a green snow. I tried to lock the door. Okay. He's going to play that for me. And then this one, I think, is older than that. It's actually shorter than the bottle. It's shorter. You still haven't told him. That you you want him to have them? Yeah, those are for you. Those are for you. Seven and a half cents excise tax. That's a Florida stamp. Yeah. One of them. Yeah, that's the When I saw when I saw that he had them, and I thought they were so cool, and I was just like, I had to get them, and. and I wanted to give them, give them to you. And Thank you. Looks like. I'll do it. Yeah. It's hard to tell. Yeah, that's nice. What the date is on old, that's one. The old bottle and bond, they had to have to put the date on when they were made and when it was bottled. Yeah, I, could, I couldn't read it. Not with my glasses, my bad eyes. <laughs> that's what your phone's for. Maybe. Yeah. Take a picture and enlarge it. Exactly. It's kind of looking like I can tell, really. It's like 50-something, but I can't tell what this is. 
This is Alan Bishop, head alchemist at Spirits of French Lick. Be on the lookout for our brand new bottled and bond Solomon Scott rye whiskey. Made from a mash composed of 65% rye, 35% corn, and 5% victory malt. This five-year-old 100-proof rye whiskey is a throwback to early 1800s-style rye whiskeys of the Ohio Valley. Named after the legendary Daisy Spring Mill distillery owner, turned moonshiner Solomon Scott of Paoli, Indiana. Remember, drink responsibly and never drink and drive. I'm definitely interested in trying to have that for my family. Absolutely, that's what I'd be stood in line for. Well, yeah. The the ham is here, so. The ham is here for a period of time. All right. Do a puppy a piece of ham? Go ahead. Oh, I'd be honored if you don't let me have a knife. (laughs) It'd be dangerous, right? Oh, yeah. That's one thing everybody should know. You're not making the chop though, right? Nope. <laughs> Thanks, man. Legal would probably get us in trouble. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's good. You guys did a great job last night, too. Thanks. I know you got it down. Uh, never know. Never know what's going to happen. Yeah, your mom told me about her mules. Oh, yeah. <laughs> sure. Thanks a lot. Oh, you're welcome.
I'm blasting you. <laughs> All right, let's oh, get no. down to business. I don't know what that means. <laughs> <laughs> Take a All right, um, we are here at Kentucky Bourbon Festival with Master Distiller and my friend Fred Nova. I'm glad to have you here. Glad to be here, Jeffrey. Um, it, it's been a rough little last couple years, and uh, but overall, when I from when I first met you to where where you are right now, um, you see, especially health wise, it's been really good. Yeah, yeah, for sure. But also from even just 2019 when you signed my painting, you know, right. yeah, that year, and I got to meet you guys and, and, and get to know to now. Talk a little bit about how. The distillery and the industry have changed a little bit towards what you guys are putting out. Well, now we actually have the Fred Bino Distillery. Right. You know, which is a craft distillery for Freddie to always call Freddie's Playground. I mean, he was just speaking that they've already done 27 different mash bills in the last year. You know, it's a scaled down version of our big distillery. Right. So, you know, you can't really experiment with 40,000 gallon fermenters. You know, and really experiment. You got to pretty much play safe bets because, you know, a bad bet has a lot of mash and a lot of whiskey to do something with. But when you got a scaled down 8,000 gallon fermenter, you can don't have to make quite as much and you can try some more, I guess you'd say, uh, crazy stuff. Right. You know, Freddie's trying different mash bills and he's got a team with some chemists who can actually analyze the whole process from the grinding of the grain to the filling of the barrel, all in the Fred B. No distillery. You know, I thought you had to be dead before they named buildings after you. But, you know, when they named it, I said, y'all know something I don't. What the hell's going on? But yeah, it's pretty, pretty cool to walk in and see Freddie and his team doing what they do on a day-in, day-out basis. And they're also production, producing liquid that we're using. They're doing the Bookers. They're doing the Bakers there, the Claremont Steep. You know, single malt is being made there. So it's a production facility and a research facility. Stay with us. We'll be right back. Hey, Bar and Grill fans, it's Jim with Madhouse Bar Talk, where me and my co-host sit around and talk about the things going on around Madhouse Bar and Grill in Elyria, Ohio. The whole conversation is unscripted, uncensored, and unedited. Anywhere where you stream podcasts, just remember, Madhouse Bar Talks, baby. Oh, that's awesome. Right. And then, like, what you're talking about, like, for instance, did they, has Jim Beam ever done a single moment? Never had. Right. So, like, that's first, the first thing, and you're able to do that. And I remember initially when Freddie was talking about experimenting exactly what you said, not only was it the fermenters, but it was running... On the still, it, the still set for certain temperatures to run, and he said it was to piss the engineers off. Yeah, you can't be, you know, monkeying with the still and doing, you know, when they're trying to run Jim Beans. I mean, those are the workhorses, you know, the Boston plant, the Booker No plant, the Claremont plant. They got to keep Jim Beam supplies. So you can't take a week off to play with some experimental mash bill, some different fermentations, you know, all of that. You know, can be done at the Fred B. No Distillery, and it doesn't disrupt the day-to-day operations at the big plants. 
So, so how much does Freddie, from time to time, now that he has his craft distillery, come to you? Because I mean, it's it's a it's a smaller size, you know, scaled down, but the problems have to be similar. Well, there's still the problems are still there, but a lot of them, you know, they've they've ironed out a lot of the tough stuff, but they don't really, you know, there's not much that they haven't already seen at the big distillery. It's just a scaled down version of a problem. You know, when you start doing the experimental mash bills, you know, how's the grain gonna mash? You know, what's the temperature? Is it gonna make rye balls? Is it gonna do this? You know, just kind of play with it. And they, they've learned a lot just by trial and error. You know, and it just slows them down. But when they slow down, it's not that bad because they're not disrupting the big boy every you know month or whatever. Right, right. So right. So you were talking a little bit about how you've got the distillery named after But remember how Freddie went into this. Although Sandy tells me that when he was younger he told you there's no way he's doing it. You guys said okay. But at the same time this transition that I've had for kids, and there's always that transition period, and we've all lived it, and it was the, as, as parents, we're scared, because when we lived it, it we, a lot of times we almost didn't get through where we were going, or we were glad we made the right decisions, but at the same time, he kind of made the right decision right away, and it's kind of exciting to see him at 36 at this point, because he's been right there with you the whole way. I mean, I'm the luckiest father around me. Very few fathers have their sons follow in their footsteps and take the business forward. And I got a lot of friends that have sons, and they wish that the businesses would go forward. A lot of times, it stays the same. Sometimes it goes backwards. But Freddie has seized this opportunity and went for it. And I got to tell him, to be you. Don't go in there and be me. There was never any pressure for him to do it. I mean, Dad always told me, don't bank on this being here. In the 70s, when I was in high school, Dad said, you know, the distilleries were shutting down. Everybody's inventories were off the roof. Bourbon was in the shitter. You know, I mean, nobody gave a damn. You couldn't have this bourbon. There wouldn't have been 20 people at this bourbon festival in 1974. So Dad said, you got to get college before we're going to put you to work. So after eight years and a lot of his money, I finally got out of college. But, you know, that was just kind of the way it was back then. Dad really didn't know if this bourbon thing was going, because everybody was seeing decline. Nobody was seeing growth. Right. I mean, you talk to Jimmy Russell, you know, the guys that were lived to it. And I could say Elmer and Parker, but you know, they've all passed on. And you know, the guys that lived it, most of them are no longer with us. So, I mean, those guys were trying to figure out a way to rekindle the fire under this bourbon category. So it's kind of wild to, you know, so I did the same thing with Freddie. I said, hey, do what you want to do because this is a more than a nine to five job you know this master distiller you're on key pretty much 24 hours a day if you don't watch it i mean they'll send you to like monday i head to scotland you know for an off-site meeting but, you know freddie they want him to be at the distillery making whiskey and then be on the road trying to sell it so you know it's a, a little different than it was back in the 70s but the thing was you gotta let him be his decision and like i always told him be you it's your ride not mine I mean, I'm proud as a peacock of him, but what he's doing is great. But I mean, I'm not telling him what to do, but what he does, he brings samples home, we taste, then he tells me what it is. I don't want to know up front. He just wants to know, you like it? What would you do different? So I'm just, I guess it's a sounding board for him. And he can take what I say and go, 
either change it or do whatever he wants to do. Well, I, I, I think, I, I mean, I was an artist. My dad uh, mentored me, and as I went on, and then he come down, he's coming into his own. But there was never a time where I didn't want to, I always respected my dad, and there's a family bond, and, you know, you guys, you guys go through, you know, I'm sure, like all families, you know, sometimes bump heads and whatever, but at the oh, same time, yeah. But at the same time, having you here for him is invaluable, you know. Oh, I mean, I'm sure he, there's times when he wishes I was a thousand miles away. <laughs> Probably there's times he wants me to be a step ahead of him. But, you know, that's the thing. You know, we don't own the company, so we're just employees like everybody else. So, you know, a lot of people think we own Jim Beam. You know, but it's not that. We're employees. There's times we both get frustrated. We you know management and decisions and stuff. You got to deal with the politics and do what you got to do, and that's what always—that's what always makes some uh, creative person. This is creativity, a skilled person. When you can manage, do the management and the mani manipulation. There's manipulation to get what you oh, yeah. need to do. Oh, yeah. Because if you just go, it's my way or the highway, that just doesn't work. Sometimes it works, but uh, not always. Not at beam, it ain't gonna work. <laughs> they ain't gonna... Yeah, you gotta let yeah. them think that they thought it up. Right, <laughs> I mean, there's a lot of, and Freddie's got a great team and they all work together and kind of hash out a lot of problems. And a lot of ideas folks come up with, want them to try, you know, you can't do some of that stuff. But you gotta satisfy the upper management. You know, sometimes they like to do this and. A lot of times after you show them it won't work, then it goes away. <laughs> and then uh, one of the other things, the lineage, which, which sold out too, which is yeah. <laughs> here today. Um, talk about that. I mean, they would that was, you know, the lineage product, it was a, a, actually our former CEO, Matt Shaddock, he wanted to do something for global travel retail. And so Freddie and me got together, had some old Jim Beam barrels that were you know, like 15 years old, and they tasted remarkable. The balance was great, wasn't too woody, which that was my biggest fear. How woody is this stuff gonna be? But it was, the balance was good. So we actually did it for global travel retail right before COVID. COVID hits, none of their cases shipped. I mean, the airports were the first things they shut down. So how are you gonna sell whiskey in an airport if the airport's not open? So now, instead of just letting it be destroyed and bring the whiskey back. We're selling at our visitor center. And we had some up there today. So, I mean, it's kind of cool to be able to be the first project we worked on together and to do it for our mutual friend, Matt Shaddock, who was our CEO at the time. Made it real special for Freddie and me to do this for our friend. And, you know, it was always good. You know? So, does it surprise you? I, I, and I, 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 I laid the money down for you. Because it's something special to me, knowing you and Freddie, and one, and, the, and it's in this beautiful wood box, and it's in this uh, beautiful bottle, and right. everything. But it, does it surprise you that that many people lay down that kind of money at this point? I mean, compared to literally, I mean, how about, how about for the bottle that they're probably never going to open? I would tell people, open it and drink it. I'm just like Dad, you know, people say I'm never going to open this, so I'm not going to sign this bottle. Why not? He said, this stuff's for drinking. It ain't for saving. I mean, because if you got kids, when you're on a trip or you're out of the house, your kids are going to drink it. <laughs> they don't give a shit. Not only are they going to drink it, but then they're going to fill it back up with water. And Maybe. I mean, that's one thing I told all my kids when I started getting into this. I said, you can drink it, 
I got enough because people send me it and I've got it. But please don't wreck it. No <laughs> water it down. Yeah. yeah, just it can go down. That's the first thing we check when people send bottles back. They got a complaint. Check the proof. Oh. When it's dirty proof, you know somebody's watered it. That down. actually, that actually happens. That these complaints. Oh, absolutely. Wow. I mean, if you had a bottle of beans you've been drinking on, and all of a sudden it tastes like shit, you know, you gonna say, and it's still full. Why does my bean taste so bad? If you didn't notice that the fill height came back up, <laughs> then they start calling beam. I got this bottle of Jim Beam. It tastes like crap. You know, so can we get it? Well, then. You know, the sales guys will go to them, give them another bottle of beam to replace it, bring it to us, you know, send it to the plant. First thing I do is check the proof. And when the proof's way down, we got an answer. Now, if the proof's up there, then we got to start doing a little more digging. That doesn't happen very often. But you want to know if something, if something actually was wrong, you right. want to know about oh, it, right? Yeah. Well, we, we retain samples. We can look on the bottle and tell what date it was bottled. So if I can get a retained sample out of that same tank and compare them. So there's a lot of things we can do to see if really is this product effective or is something happened to it from the time it went in the bottle to the time this consumer opened it up and took a drink. That's awesome. Uh, How long do you retain those samples? Three years. Yeah. You look at that right on the video. It's exactly. Oh, I know. Well, I know that, that's what happens when you're the master. You still it. Yeah, I always love them. The retained samples, you know, and they. Used to we give them to our employees. Then the government said we can't be giving away all that wisdom. <laughs> I can see that. They're not getting their cut then, right? No cut. No. Yeah. <laughs> A lot of the labels, you know, are scuffed and bad, but the liquid inside, you know, what we're worried about. We ain't worried about what the bottle looks like. It's going to sit on the shelf for three years. Right. So, so overall, you know, come and see, you know, like you said, where you've come from to where you are now. Um, what's the thing you most enjoyed about what you were doing? A lot of it's just watching Freddie, you know, do what he's doing. And then just like over watching him on stage, seeing him do what I did, but yet putting his style to it. He's not trying to be me. You know, I mean, be on the stage with people who I've, you know, I read about these two when I was just getting started. Um, it's it's really cool to be to be on the same stage as them. So, kind of kind of a dream come true. That's awesome. Make you feel old. He's re reading about. That's right. I mean, hell, I just turned thirty six yesterday. Yeah. Thirty six. Thirty six. Should be feeling old yet. Yeah. I'm gonna go get a little of this to your mom and daddy while you yeah. talk about okay. growing yeah. up in his shadow and operating in his shadow. You know, I think I'm, I'm probably, I'll say I'm the luckiest, um, and I'd say everybody says the same, but, you know, having an opportunity to come in and follow in your dad's footsteps, and your granddad's footsteps, who you really look up to as well, um, I look at it, people, you know, say I'm lucky or I had a great opportunity, and I agree 100%. It was really much about that, is how do I take this opportunity and make the best out of it from learning things from my dad, Learning, to, you know, as Brent mentioned, there's generational talent that sits in our distillery. Um, I look, there's a guy right over there. He was laughing at me. He was one of my first mentors in the distillery. Dave Phillips worked for us at, at Boston. And, and the, the team that he worked with spent a lot of time with my granddad. So when I first came in the distillery, I was learning the kind of quote-unquote modern way of, of whiskey making with the computer. But there was a couple of, of fellas who hand-spun uh, steam steam valves, you know, for my granddad to make sure we're hitting those temperatures. So to be able to learn how we make whiskey today, but understand how it got to where it is through 
literally the guys that were turning the valves was was a great opportunity. And then I, I live next to my dad, so going home, it's like, do we continue to talk about work or do we take a break? But most of the time, the stuff we're talking about at work, it's great to have his input, right? It's kind of like a, a muse at the end of the day. You go work and you learn. Uh, then you come home like, what do you think about this? Or have you heard, did granddaddy ever talk about this or any of that? So I think just having a, being surrounded by a lot of people who understood whiskey, really again, from my granddad to how we're doing it today, it's been a great opportunity. And also just, you know, really him stepping aside and allowing me to kind of be myself, I think was the, the biggest thing I'll say is, uh, when I first started talking, I think it was a Father's Day event at the distillery. I was so freaking nervous to sit beside him and talk. You know, what I was going to say was he was like, gosh, damn out of here, right? What the hell are you talking about? You know, <laughs> I never, like, never uh, he done say it. that, would he? No, you know, maybe off camera. He might not say it for up here, but, but he would in behind doors. What the hell are you talking about out there? Um, but I think, as Brent said, just with the more you're talking about the things that you are passionate about, and you're sharing it with people like this that are as passionate from another lens, it becomes so easy to sit here and talk about it, right? I'm not, I'm not trying to talk about a science equation on a board. I'm talking about the whiskey that I made and I watch age. It's the, I mean, it's literally the funnest and easiest thing. So having a lot of those great mentors and then my dad, you know, pushing me to be myself versus, you know, worrying about what his image is or how we work together. It's always been about highlighting my, as he calls it, my ride. It's my ride. People would ask him, what's Freddie want to do? Where does he want to work? You better talk to him. That's his ride. Mine's going on, you know, and that I, that's that's the greatest thing is him being able to step aside and allow me to kind of step into my own role and, and vision as well. Be yourself. Be Freddie, No, You're not Fred. It's like Booker told me. Don't let them marketing people try to get you to be me. One girl said, when you sign bottles, you need to sign them Fred, Booker, no. I told Daddy, he said, bullshit, you're Fred. Fred, no. Okay, yes, sir. Well, it's kind of cool because uh, sometimes you talk to the older people in the industry and they refer to you as Freddie. Because right. you, at one point you were Freddie, right? To oh, yeah. some people. I was, until right. my son was born. Right, right, right. And my dad said, he's Freddie, you'll be Fred. Yes, sir. I mean, I'm Frederick Booker No the third. He's Frederick Booker No the fourth. Right, right. And we got little Booker up there. He's Frederick Booker No the fifth. Now he's only five years old, but you know, there's three of us now. So if everybody was called Freddie, three of us would look up. You know, right, right. And it's funny right. when the grandson hears somebody talk about dad. They said Booker did this, Booker did that. He said, I didn't do that, you know, because he's Booker, yeah. but he doesn't realize that there was a Booker before him. Yeah. Yeah, the same thing she was talking about Booker's book. She said to me, uh, Booker's birthday is uh, uh, last week, you know, and she didn't know when it would, you guys were going to celebrate. That's part of it. Right. They were doing stuff. Right, right. And so, but I thought initially it was your dad's birthday. <laughs> With my head, that's where I went to. But she's like, no, little man. And I'm just like, so yeah. Right. The boss. Yeah. Well, that is a problem when everybody's named the same a oh, little yeah. bit. Yes, but it go is. by numbers, you know. I'm yeah. three, He's four. Yeah, you just gotta be hey, three. Right. <laughs> All right. But yeah, it's kind of kind of wild. So, so, that's, so, so, so Booker, little Booker, is how old now? Five. So are you already talking to him about? Oh, what you know, he was, that's the thing. Everybody thinks that as soon as you're born, it's like you know <laughs> Prince Charles. You're the next heir apparent to the throne. 
I didn't like it. Let the kids be kids. I mean, Freddie's got a 14 year old daughter. You know, and she's always talking about what would it take to be a, the best ever master distiller? And Freddie said, it ain't gonna happen. She said, why? You gotta follow me, he told her. And I'm gonna be the best. <laughs> but that's just, you know, Freddie, you know, and he's, he likes to challenge her. And so that's the thing, you know, she's, she's into the soccer, be a kid. Don't worry about being an adult when you're 14 years old. That's from our perspective, that's for sure. What you gotta just, do, just, you gotta let him be a kid. Don't put any pressure on him to be a distiller, hell. That's one thing Freddie, when he did his internship, former CEO, Matt Shaddock, who I mentioned earlier, told him, he said, look, Freddie, you don't have to follow in your father's footsteps. We've got marketing jobs, we've got accounting jobs, we got everything at Bean. You don't have to be a distiller. You can be a bottling, you can be whatever. I think it maybe opened his eyes, you know, Kids don't want to do exactly what their dad did. Shit, they want to kind of do their own thing. That's, but then after a while, he figured he'd give it a try, just like I did. That's a good job. Everything worked out. Yeah, and it keeps the, the whole thing going. That's the, right. you know, But there's going to be, yeah. You never know. Jimmy Mango stopped if Braley or Booker decided they don't want to be distilling. Right. You can bet they're going to keep on rolling right up that track. That's, that's one thing that you know about whiskey from the 1700s. I mean, I've, I've always been so respectful of whiskey because the United States wouldn't be the United States right. without whiskey. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of intermingling between the history of the U.S. and the history of whiskey. I mean, I mean, every kind of event, there was something going on, <laughs> they drank a little whiskey, you know, except for prohibition, but people still drank whiskey. Right. And then go and, underground and do it. Yeah, and then the underground people made all the money right. and the government right. didn't make it when we ran into the Great Depression. And we were going to solve all the social problems of the U.S. by getting rid of beverage alcohol. And he destroyed the country for a while because even the grain, you're talking about all the Dust Bowl, that's because they weren't growing corn and wheat for whiskey. Well, if you don't, what are you going to do with it if you're not don't making whiskey? Away. <laughs> <laughs> and then, you know, they don't teach that in the history books, do they? Right. No, no, no. I don't not to the real history. Not to the kids in school. <laughs> All right. Uh, thank you so much for your time. And, oh, my uh, pleasure. I, I'm glad we got to finally be able to do this. Yeah, for sure. sure. And uh, with everybody, uh, that's uh, I'm, I'm almost speechless, and that's rare. So oh, thank shit. you so here. much. I can't believe you're speechless. All right. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, everybody. Oh, you're welcome. Show me the way to the next whiskey bar. Oh, don't ask why. Oh, don't ask why. Show me the way to the next whiskey bar. Oh, don't ask why. Oh, don't ask why. For if we don't find the next whiskey bar, I tell you we must die. I tell you we must die I tell you, I tell you, I tell you we must die Hey, Scotchy Bourbon Boys fans, this is Alan Bishop, Indiana's Alchemist of the Black Forest. 
So I'm tuning in here today to tell you all about the One Piece at a Time Distilling Institute channel on YouTube. If you're at all interested in the art of distilling, whether it be home distilling or professional distilling, and the intense geekery that goes into that process, then check out the One Piece at a Time Distilling Institute on YouTube. I promise you're going to learn something you didn't know before about the arts. Hey, Scotchy Bourbon Boys fans, this is Alan Bishop, Indiana's Alchemist of the Black Forest. So I'm tuning in here today to tell you all about the One Piece at a Time Distilling Institute channel on YouTube. If you're at all interested in the art of distilling, whether it be home distilling or professional distilling, and the intense geekery that goes into that process, then check out the One Piece at a Time Distilling Institute on YouTube. I promise you're going to learn something you didn't know before about the arts.